going on? Welcome to the Raptors Reasonables Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Murphy. Joining me, as always, Eric Green. Joining us here on this episode of the podcast and here at The Athletic as of Monday, October 14th, from No Dunks, Tass Mellis. Tass, welcome, buddy. It feels great to be with you guys. This is sort of my athletic debut of sorts, so this is feels good. I think everyone has probably heard the news by now. If you are a basketball fan and a, an athletic subscriber, or even not a subscriber, um, that the guys are coming to the athletic task. You wanted games. to say the starters. You wanted to say the starters, and that's okay. I actually almost said the basketball Jones. Oh, yes. oh wow! I was wearing a TBJ shirt yesterday, and uh, it so it was in my head. So oh, okay. uh, almost almost made that mistake. Um, I guess I guess I'll start. Obviously, welcome. First of all, it's it's Thank you. very exciting to have you you guys all coming um, daily NBA podcasts uh, outside of the paywall, and then maybe some extra stuff on top of that. Uh, I guess my first question is: Are you guys channeling 2004 Raptors Vince Carter with the title here? Just not dunking anymore? <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know if we're going offense or if we're going defense. Maybe we're trying to bring defense back. Maybe we're trying to bring bring coaches, no layups, no dunks, and that adage back. You know, I'm, nothing easy. Nothing easy. Um, nobody cares about defense anymore. Only cares about <laughs> offense. So maybe we're just gonna be ahead of the times because uh, because defense is gonna come back at some point. It sounds like you were watching the Raptors Rockets exhibition games by saying nobody <laughs> cares about defense anymore. Yeah. Man, yes. Um, yeah. So the so the podcast launches on. October 14th, Canadian Thanksgiving, <laughs> TAS. Yeah, I, I mean, I know, I know you are now living in America. Is this yeah. like, is this a slap in the face to your, you know, your TBJ fans? Uh, I mean, how, how could you do this? What is Canadian Thanksgiving? What, what is it? I mean, it doesn't, it, you know, like everything in America, Thanksgiving is bigger. And, you know, they take off, basically take off an entire week. Yes, and so when people say the holiday season is coming up, they're talking about Thanksgiving down here, and uh, very, very intrigued by having a couple days off. Um, I, the NBA season it, it's long, and I can feel that that Thanksgiving week coming. Isn't that a great promo for the No Dunks podcast? <laughs> We're going to be taking a couple days off in in November, uh, but <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it it's not. No, we don't celebrate it. Uh, uh, maybe we, maybe we should. I mean, I'm sitting beside a Canadian flag here in our in our makeshift studio currently. I saw that. So uh, no, I have not forgot about the roots, but I have th- forgot about Canadian Thanksgiving. No, American Thanksgiving, to be clear, is just better than Canadian Thanksgiving. Just, I, I mean, a holiday on a Thursday is just a great idea. Um, it's a lot, a lot of NFL though. It's, yeah, I mean, I'm not. You can do it with the day as you want. Uh, the right. NBA take that. I think that's the one Thursday NBA takes off. Actually, yeah. is uh, is Thursday seeding the sports schedule to uh, well. How, to the how NFL. can you compete with Detroit Lions football? <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. a question we've all asked ourselves before. <laughs> so, uh, so Taz, what uh, you know for fans who just caught up with you with uh, with the starters and who were mostly. Watching the TV product, uh, what can people expect uh, from the daily podcast? Well, it's going to be like like Blake mentioned, uh, the basketball Jones. It, it sure is going to feel like 
um, more of the the older days where we could riff with no time constraints, no time constraints of of television like we've had uh, the last few years. Uh, you know, we definitely have our tangents. That's uh, we have a lot of funny personalities with with Trey and Lee and, and Skeets and, and JD. Uh, so there's going to be some of that. While of course um, maintaining our uh, you know our, our, our focus on the game. So I, I just um, I think it it should be. A combination of what we were great at in in podcasting with a little bit more of uh, even a refined focus that we developed over the last six years with our television skills. We came down to uh, Atlanta from Toronto in 2013 thinking that we could basically make a podcast on television. And uh, after a month or two or three, we realized um, that was a failed experiment. It was just they're just two different mediums. And uh, we, we learned after a while that um, television just needs to be, you know, a little bit more fast pace on point, uh, just a little bit more structured. And so I think we could have that sort of structure within the, the free flowing podcast, uh, nature that we we've always had. And, uh, it should be a, a good combo of both. I hope. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to it as a, as a longtime fan. I was really excited when, uh, when the news came down that you guys were, were going to be joining us. I, I guess it's, I know you guys did some, some off season pods as a free agents, but I feel like we should warm you up a little bit here for Monday and, and talk <laughs> a little bit of Raptors basketball. If you're, if yeah, you're game for that, let, let's do it. All right. Uh, have you got a chance to check out the preseason games yet? Well, like Eric, Eric said, I, I was, I was in and out of, okay. of, of Raptors <laughs> rockets. I mean, if the players don't care, how is it's a little difficult for the the fan to care? And there there wasn't a lot of defense play, but yes, I I was very excited to see a Davis dunk. Uh, I saw lo- lots of good stuff from uh, from the Raps, um, and we're gonna get to their playoff chances, I'm sure. But I, I, it looked like a it looked like a real ball club out there. Yeah, the uh, kind of you know throwing some of the information out here uh, when Chris Clemens and back, Ben McLemore. And Daniel Huss Jr. are all putting up du- double-digit field goal attempts. Uh, I think you guys are forgiven for, you know, giving it 70% attention or whatever <laughs> percentage it was. Um, has anyone, you, you mentioned Davis and his dunk. Uh, I think he's starting to get a little bit of buzz. We had a Hoop Talks event last night and his name came up a couple times. Is he kind of, like, in your in your eyes, do you see him as being kind of the next underdog fan favorite here in Toronto? I guess so. Uh, I, I kind of have a little bit of hopes uh, for Duane. Why not? Um, but, you know, this it feels like the, the team is sort of full of guys that you want to root for and, and not to just uh, go back to the to the, the leaders of the team. But there's so many guys, I think, for the casual fan, like the non the non hardcore raps fan to look at it like Marcus Ole or Serge Ibaka or. Um, you know, a Stanley Johnson or Rondé Hollis Jefferson as sort of reclamation projects. I, I think there's enough of even the main rotation um, that you would rally behind, especially because, you know, being down here in America, the, the Raptors are an afterthought again. I, and that's not uh, I'm not uh, I'm speaking for everybody. I, I don't think I don't think there's outside of Toronto and Canada, the you know, and, and just sort of um, the standard. Hey, they're the champs, and they should get some respect. Like around the world, that that whole concept, they they are an afterthought. So I think I start with the guys who are going to get them to the postseason. Uh, and I think on our podcast uh, that starts on Monday, I'm sure I'm going to be talking about those guys first and foremost because I think it's easy to forget uh, for the American fan um, that this team was a lot more than Kawhi Leonard. 
it, 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 it was Kawhi and the rest of the guys, you know, to a lot of American fans. And there's just so much talent in that in that starting lineup. But I mean, you guys tell me if there's somebody deeper, if there's going to be a new Matt Bonner out there. Uh, you, you tell me. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Matt Thomas can slide into the Matt Bonner role, if not positionally, in terms of functional role. You know, come in and step in and hit a three, and and maybe ride the TTC and, and go unnoticed and get that Subway sandwich deal and fight Kevin Garnett. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know about that one. But and, and look, New Balance is hot in Toronto right now because of Kawhi. That's that was a missed opportunity for, for Bonner to do it bigger. So maybe, maybe someone can slide into that role too. Sure. And you, uh, yeah, mentioned Bonner, the, the fighting with Kevin Garnett. Kendrick Perkins is now an ESPN analyst. If he comes and does uh, a Canadian a game for ESPN, you, you could see a, a quick little brawl on the sideline. I'm sure Kendrick Perkins would like to throw down. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if I would test Kendrick Perkins. I feel No, like of course not. That's a stupid move. Having Serge Ibaka <laughs> around, though, there's always the, the potential for that. Eric did a, you know, a... a kind of a power ranking of Serge Ibaka's fights last year at one point. If uh, if Perkins and Bonner or Perkins and Thomas get into it, uh, you you can pretty safely bet Serge is going to get in there too. Yeah, miss some miss with some haymakers. That's that's what he does <laughs> until he hears this podcast and connects with uh, with my face. Uh, yeah. that, that would be bad for me. Uh, you mentioned uh, sort of the more marquee Raptors tasks. Uh, the big news around here this week was Kyle Lowry re-upping uh, for one more year following this one for a cool $31 million, which is a good deal if you can get it. Um, I, I mean, you're an OG Raptors fan. This is maybe the best Raptor of all time. Is there is that, you know, the lens with which you view the deal? Or are you just glad that he's, you know, going to be here for a bit longer if all things go well? Uh, how did you take that news? Well, as a as a person who's been in, in the biz for so long, <laughs> I, my my fandom has definitely uh, waned um, somewhat, and and I I look at it through the lens of it's a good deal for all parties involved, including Masai Ujiri, who could still trade him. He's definitely tradable, and I don't think it makes him any less tradable to have one more year on that deal, and any less desirable if you're uh, Pat Riley for the Miami Heat or. Anyone, I mean, you get a little bit more security. I, I think um, a good package would come back for him if, if he was dealt. But yeah, the first the first thought is taking care of Kyle Lowry uh, the way he's uh, you know made the postseason every single year since he's been a Raptor. The way he's embraced Toronto and um, he definitely if if there is a sort of a legacy contract even after the deal expires in twenty twenty one. I would definitely not be mad at it whatsoever. Uh, it couldn't be at 30 mil per year, uh, <laughs> but uh, um, it, it is great for Kyle. It's definitely good for him. And uh, I don't. I, I wonder if it even adds, it adds a bit of, um, I think, desire or trade value from, from the other side as well, from, from Miami or, see, I've lost my fandom. It's gone. I'm just thinking transactionally. I'm like a Blake Murphy out here. I'm just thinking, <laughs> yeah, I'm just thinking. It's, it's hard sometimes to like go back and forth between, I really like these guys. Oh, and then also I'm going to write about them as an asset. Like, like right. Malcolm Miller's a great example. Like I, I'm very fond of Malcolm Miller and I've thought he was an NBA guy for a while now. And then I have to keep writing about him. Like, well, his contract's not guaranteed and they need a third point guard. And that's probably his lot in life. You, you de- I have definitely lost a little bit of that too. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, you're right. It's it's. I'm not. I'm human. I can't vacillate between 
one or the other, one and the other all the time. It's well, it, see, it seems like so many fans, I, I mean, uh, this has been talked about a lot, but like transaction news, whether it's at The Athletic or any other, uh, you know, site, like transaction news does great. Like that's what people want to read about so much of the time. And, you know, our job in the media to sort of reflect that and, and stoke that interest. And so right. that's the way we've sort of been trained to think over the past few years. It's, uh, you know, there's always been problems with, you know, once you become part of the media, keeping that fandom going. But in addition to that, there's now this, you know, overwhelming thirst for, for news uh, about trades or rumors or, you know, free agents. And, you know, the, as you mentioned, the reason why the Lowry deal makes sense for the Raptors and that it doesn't, you know, uh, bite into their 2021 cap room, which will be plentiful. Um, you know, it's the same reason why it's it remains attractive to other teams. Right. And um, there's there's no harm in giving him just that one extra extra year. It really, really isn't much whatsoever. I, I, you know, I, I keep thinking about the Miami Heat and whether or not they see Chris Paul as a potential suitor or yeah. a p- potential match for Jimmy Butler or Kyle Lowry could be that guy. But I, th- I think if you're the heat, you know, you just signed Jimmy Butler to a long year deal, long-term deal. You'd probably want some security knowing that you're trading for a guy with two years on his contract. Um, or, you know, Chris Paul who has three years, you're going for it. If you're trading for Jimmy Butler uh, is basically uh, what it comes down to. But uh, yeah, we talk about transactions and, and I'm, I'm okay with that. Actually, Ethan Strauss, I don't know if you guys read it, but it was just posted like an hour ago on The Athletic. Basically, uh, an article about NBA NBA's ratings within the United States and, um, and North America somewhat having waned a little bit. And part of the reason, among many reasons, is that we do talk about transactions and less about the game, you know, unlike other sports uh, like the NFL. And it was a really interesting read, although... I think we're all sort of quick to turn and say, hey, maybe the NBA isn't as popular as we thought when it was really five minutes ago when it was knocking on the NFL's door and ready to uh, to take over the number one sport. But uh, yeah, transactions are fun. I can't deny it. But uh, you, know, you guys are really still into the games and, and even into preseason basketball because you're crazy, Blake. But I still like to geek out about the games as well and, and i don't want to i never want to lose that and uh, th- that's that's the fun part for me all right tass do you mind if we before we let you go here uh, i want to play a quick game with you and eric if that's okay of course let's so go you guys for launched in january of 2006 yeah the first game the raptors played uh after the initial launch of the basketball jones was a 96 94 loss to the portland trailblazers and <laughs> so this is in the 2005-06 season in january uh-oh. Can the two of you name the the nine players who played for the Raptors in that game? All right, let's let's do this. Uh, Jalen Rose. Yep. Chris Chris Bosh. Yes. Morris he Peterson. Made. Morris Peterson. Yep. Sorry, who did you say, Tess? Nobody. I just said Chris Bosh made the lineup. It was good. Good for him. Oh. <laughs> uh, so Chris Bosh, Mo Pete, Jalen Rose, Jose Calderon. Yep. Nice. Um, As a hint, Jose Calderon off the bench. This is ooh. he wasn't starting Jose Calderon yet. That TJ was Ford? no, no. Oh. But that Milk. was the year after the Mike James year. My no, so it's it not was Mike, James. The Mike James. Year. Oh, okay. I thought, for some reason, I thought oh four oh five was Mike James. 
But uh, all right, so Mike James, the Amityville scorer himself. Yeah. <laughs> Matt um, Bonner was there. Matt Bonner played. Yeah. So you got six. Uh, can I go a Danielle Marshall, perhaps? No. Oh. Lauren Woods. <laughs> no. Okay, I'm gonna give you guys. I yeah, we need some, we need some heads. Hint. Yeah. Two of the remaining three were drafted in the same year by the Raptors. Oh, Chuck Charlie Villanueva. Villanueva. And Joey Graham, the most versatile player in the NBA. <laughs> yes. So well you are now just missing one of the nine guys who played. Was he, a he, guy started, he started. He started. 10 minutes and had zero points. This sounds like a Raptors starting center if I've ever heard one. It sure is. That's why I had my Lord Woods guess. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're, you're bang on. I mean, was it Hoffa? Many. It was Hoffa. Oh, yes. Yeah, so that team won 27 games, believe it or not. That is shocking. There's about 20 more than I would have expected reading Sa- those nine Sa- names. Saab Mit- Sa- Mitchell is too good at coaching, apparently. <laughs> um, Tass, I know you guys are probably going to have a full um, No Dunks preview week, and, and you guys will make some predictions there. But, uh, before we let you go, do you, have a, do you have a prediction for the Raptors this year, whether in the micro win total sense or, or just kind of bigger picture? Well, I think they're gonna. No, I don't have. A, I don't have a bigger picture. I, I think they're gonna roll to uh, to a top four spot. Let's do it. Uh, let's yeah. go crazy. Uh, a four spot, fifty win season um, should not be out of the question. And uh, I think they get there. Yeah, I think. I think for many people that will be uh, that will be a surprise, unfortunately. But for the for those guys in the locker room, I think that'll be a not much of an achievement. Really, they should get there. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going I'm going to at least be so bold as to say they'll win more than the 27 games that the Mike James Chris Bosh Raptors <laughs> won. Um Tass, thanks so much for doing this, man. I'm, we're really excited to have you guys uh as part of the team and for you guys to launch on Monday. Yeah, we are really excited too and excited to work with uh very very talented guys like yourself, so uh keep up the good work and uh we will collab as the kids say soon. <laughs> good to have you, Tass. We're pumped. Nice talking. Yeah, to thanks you guys. so much, man. No problem. All right, we're back. We let Tass go so we can get into the the nerdery of two preseason games. Uh, Eric, you revealed while we were uh, green rooming between segments here <laughs> that you were fasting for Yom Kippur. Uh, Walter was not fasting. You had mentioned it before that Walter was about to get off of his diet, and he's now off of it onto regular food. It must have been must have been a joyous day at the Korean household. Well, actually, tonight, Thursday. Uh, Day one after proper repentance will be his first uh, his first eating non-diet food. And maybe about, uh, I'm checking with my assistant here, uh, maybe <laughs> since January. Um, so it's going to be a big day for him. Um, we're all looking forward to seeing it. Uh, he doesn't know. I'll tell it's... you one thing. It, it worked, man. You, you hear a lot this time of year about guys entering camp in the best shape of their lives and muscle watch and all that. Walter's looking svelte. Yeah, yeah, he's got the hourglass going on. That's what we have been told by the uh, <laughs> the vet to look for from above is to make sure, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not one for trying to body shame dogs or anything like that. But we've been told because he's, you know, got that, not the wingspan, the uh, torso span, that it's very important to keep him at a, at a fighting weight uh, for his back to... Uh, to remain healthy and those of us with lower back pain can can relate anyway uh the vet said we've done a very good thing for him 
Uh, I want to thank you, who uh, was, along with my parents, kept him on that diet while uh, I was very much not on a diet in, uh, during my honeymoon. And, uh, you know, Walter, let's see how he reacts, but it's, uh, it's going to be a big night. Big night here. I don't want to throw anyone under the bus about Walter's time here, but he definitely got at least one human snack, and it wasn't from me, and one roommate was on tour. So by process of elimination, you could figure out who stuck him a little piece of steak that he basically sucked down without chewing. Yeah, no, he doesn't, like, really chew his current food. He just, like, tries to swallow it whole. I think at all stages he's worried that somebody's going to try to steal the food from his mouth. Uh, Which makes total sense because he's been pampered for so long that, you know, so many experiences of you stealing his food. Yeah, well, I mean, like, when he does try to eat literal garbage on the on walks, <laughs> I, I do try to take it out of his mouth. So maybe he just yeah. thinks that all food is is this, is garbage. Uh, and non-food, like the balloon he tried to get at the park. Yeah, what a guy. Um, uh, apparently an elastic was found in his uh, uh, feces the other day. Uh, I can't... Anyway, he will eat almost anything. Um, but... We're just trying to make sure he eats the right things. Gets, you know, we're getting the personal chef. He's hired a personal chef, just like so many NBA players uh, this summer, to get in the right shape. And uh, this is going to be a big year for him, I think, in in his third year. Third year in the household, that's really when you see uh, breakout performances. Well, he has to, right? It's he's heading up on his next contract yes. soon, and you yeah. guys will have to make a decision about extension whether he's a long-term piece or not. Yeah, extension eligible after this season. Yeah. So uh, you don't. Well. He doesn't look. Normally, players I think are okay hitting RFA, but I don't know. I don't know if he wants to risk it. And I, I don't know if we want to risk uh, alienating him like that, which is a good segue yeah. into yes. uh, the Raptors <laughs> news of the week: the uh, alienatable Kyle Lowry. Has signed a one year, thirty one dollar, uh, thirty one dollar, no, thirty one million dollar, <laughs> good deal. Uh, doesn't work under the cap. Uh, it's it's below the minimum uh, veteran, the veteran minimum, thirty one million dollar uh, extension, not yet confirmed by the team. Um, first reported by Adrian Wojnarowski. Uh, we talked about it a bit with Tass before we get into the exhibition games. Uh, we've both written about it a lot. Um, anything you want to add to the discussion other than it, you know, making a whole lot of sense for both sides? Yeah, I think, you know, like I wrote about, I, th- I thought, and we discussed it before, that I th- I really thought a one year was the only possible extension. I just don't see the Raptors eating into that 2021 space unless it gets them another person who's going to be a meaningful part of a 2021 and beyond roster. Um, but I was skeptical that Kyle Lowry would be amenable to a one year deal uh, when the number gets up over $30 million, though, and based on the reporting, it could climb higher uh, with his incentives from this contract carrying over, uh, you know, I think that's that's hard to walk away from because if you're Lowry, you know, you're going to be 34 by the end of this season. You have not, by impact stats, begun your decline in earnest yet, but some of your counting stats have declined. You've had some injury trouble. Uh, I'm not sure that if you had hit unrestricted free agency this summer, in an offseason where only five teams, four of them likely non-playoff teams, 
project to have cap space uh, that you could have been sure you're going to get anything more than the mid-level, which then you're looking at, you know, you get that $31 million over three years on a contract instead of in one balloon year. So even if it, you know, even if his next contract after this one is a little less now because he enters at age 35 instead of 34, I still think, you know, the total amount of money Lowry's going to be getting, this is better off. Uh, he gets to play the whole preseason give me an extension game again next preseason to drive people nuts which i'm sure he's already looking forward to um i think it makes sense i think you know the the more interesting angle to me obviously it's great that lowry got retained and you did a good job contextualizing that um for me it just it kind of hammers home a lot of what i've written about this offseason in terms of the raptors plans for the next little bit, which is that they're going to remain competitive because Lowry offers such a floor. Um, Siakam's gotten too good too quickly, and there's no meaning, there's no reasonable path to getting bad enough, good enough to kind of blow it up before you take the next step. Um, winning is clearly a part of their development plan and their pitch plan to anyone in 2021. Uh, this also, I think, signals that you know what we what we knew and, and what I've kind of written about in that uh, they did have a lot of 2020 cap space and they could still get to a lot of 2020 cap space. But 2021 is the big cap year. 2020 is more about, you know, using that space to add to the roster for that year um, to maybe take advantage of some potential trades if they have to take on salary in a deal uh, to possibly add a, a lower salary piece that could be a part of the the core when you when you go to look to add in 2021. So I think it backs a lot of that up. I think it puts the Siakam extension talks in an interesting place, and, and I guess we should mention that because we're 11 days out from the deadline for a Siakam extension. Um, you know, the Raptors right now, without a Siakam deal, project to have somewhere in the neighborhood of $30 million in cap space. They'd sacrifice about $22 million of that if they maxed Siakam right now. Um, I still think it's unlikely that they get a deal done unless Siakam signs for something less than the max. Um, the interesting wrinkle here may be is that, you know, if the NBA's revenues were to be lower than expected for this year, uh, for whatever reason. Why, why, why would that be? Uh, for whatever reason, whatever <laughs> might happen. Um, Albert Namad, who does some great cap work, his estimates show that if the NBA lost uh, $100 million in revenue, it would lower the cap by about $1.7 million. Uh, so, you know, I don't, I don't know how we'd find out about those numbers or anything like that, but as an estimate... You know, if there were a hit, a material hit to business, you know, the cap comes in a little bit lower. That also lowers Siakam's max then. So um, anyway, there's, there are some other factors now also floating around with the Siakam extension. I think I probably talked too much before kicking it back to you here about unnecessarily detailed things. Yeah, the other the other thing, and, and you know, I heard one of your hits this week on uh, the Fan 590, uh, and you pointed out that it, it shouldn't really affect Fred Van Vliet's, um, how, how they view him and what his future is here. And, you know, I mostly agree, because uh, Van Vliet's role was always going to get bigger this year. Um, and, and But what they do with him next year, and there's a whole season to play before that, and and it makes it tough to speculate about that, but what they do with him in free agency should signal the ambition 
and the extent of the ambition that this team has in that class of 2021. Because, you know, if, if Fred Van Vliet shows, like, I, I think we both think he can, like, either be one of the best reserves in the league, which he sort of already has been at times, uh, or, like, even a fringe starter, and then he gets paid as a fringe starter, that would also eat into their room not only next year, but more consequently in 2021. Um, and that's the year when they want to have money available, and, you know, unlike the vets, he's not going to be amenable to uh, a one-year deal uh, following this year. You know, he'll be 26. And, you know, part of the reason why he signed for two years uh, in the summer of 2018 was to hit unrestricted free agency after just four seasons at the age of 26. So that's going to be fascinating to watch uh, just because it will... I think it will, the other will, thing... It will just let us know. It will let us know a lot about the Raptors. Uh, as yeah, well as and I think the other factor there that's that I didn't think was going to be there with Lowry, and I don't think is going to be there with Siakam because of the RFA status and the the fact that the Raptors would just match on Siakam or Maximo yeah. to avoid it. Um, with Van Vliet, he's going to be unrestricted and have a large market. When I talked about you know w- what were Lowry's other options, well, you're not going to sign with Chicago or Charlotte or Phoenix or something like that. Um, because he doesn't match the timeline and it wouldn't be it wouldn't make sense as a use of cap space and assets for a team like that. Well, when you look at Van Vliet, who's a lot gonna be a lot younger, you know, suddenly he makes sense. And if teams think he's a starting caliber point guard and there are offers out there to pay him like a starting caliber point guard and position him as one, well then the Raptors have to compete with that. So whereas Lowry and Siakam, the Raptors were really only maybe bidding against themselves and against the on the discomfort uh, of the situation of not having a deal done, you know, Van Vliet's going to hit that market and see what he's worth. And he's not extension eligible. So he's going to get to see exactly what he's worth uh, no matter what. So that'll be, that's going to be interesting. He's got a ton on the line this year, both with the Raptors and, and for his next contract. Uh, well, you know, it's a good thing Charlotte signed Terry Rozier to that contract. Uh, that's all yeah. I can say. Uh, let's yeah. get to the games. Um, I, I also, I can't sorry. remember for sure. Sorry. I can't even remember for sure if Charlotte is one of the teams that, that has cap space. I was just throwing, I know that the other four are bad and the Hawks are one of them. The Hawks yeah. could be interesting, but obviously they have Trey Young. So I don't know if they'd spend on a, on a point guard. Um, as Fred, Va- as Fred Van Vliet has, has shown though, like he's per- despite his size, he's pretty versatile and could do a bunch of, a bunch of things for you that, don't necessarily necessitate you giving him 34 minutes with the ball in his hands. Uh, Anyway. My concern there would more be that Van Vliet has generally done that alongside um, defenders who are also good. Mm -hmm. That might be a tougher defensive backcourt. uh, (laughs) What are you uh, saying about uh, Trey Young? I think Trey Young's a phenomenal offensive player. Ah, yes. (laughs) Um, You were going to segue us into the two preseason games the Raptors have played, which were fun and interesting and you know, fairly useless contextually, but there are a lot of individual performances. This is always my approach with the preseason, and I do it with with Summer League as well for the most part. You know, the actual game results aren't all that telling. You can have things like the Rockets hanging 129 points and 118 points, and then you look at the actual context, and the Raptors came out with a pretty decent defensive rating, and the, the Rockets took, I think, 117 threes between the two games. Um, it's it's just a mess of context between pace and who's playing and things like that. So the focus naturally shifts to the individual level and what individual guys are showing you from a skill perspective. Um, Eric, I did my takeaway, my written takeaways for each game 
on The Athletic. Uh, so I'm interested in your thoughts because people can go read mine. Um, I'll share them, obviously, here if you are curious about them. But uh, I'm more curious about yours because I haven't read them yet. Um, Serge Ibaka was the most obvious standout for me. Uh, he, you know, just looked really fluid offensively. He was making good decisions on the other end of the court for the most uh for the most part, I mean, James Harden exposed a lot of perimeter defenders, but James Harden is, is going to do that, and that put a buck in some uh, poor situations. But he looked very fluid offensively. He looked very soft with sort of the, you know, half-fake, uh, uh, you know, hook that he has. He channeled Hakeem Olajuwon on one move over uh, Clint Capella on uh, Thursday night in Japan, Thursday morning in, in Toronto. Uh, I thought he looked really good and, and more or less ready to roll, and that's without Kyle Lowry, you know, hooking him up with the pick and pop, uh, you know, for eight to ten times a game. Uh, so that was probably the, you know, as far as the best individual performance, I might go with him. Uh, Norm Powell had a really good second game. I thought he was still a bit all over the place in the first game. The second game, I thought his decisions were a lot better, and obviously... When I don't know what his final three point numbers were, I think he was five for seven at one point. Um, yeah, seven for ten across the two games. Yeah, so that's pretty encouraging. You don't expect him uh, to be a seventy percent three point shooter. You don't expect anybody to be a seventy percent three point shooter. Not but, true. Uh, Matt Thomas is on well, this roster, and you know, so let's save that for the bad pile. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I think. The variance in, in Norm Powell's career as a three-point shooter is, is pretty fascinating um, because while he, you know, clocks in at just about lead, league average for his career, it's been, it's generally hasn't, you know, been at that level. It's been, you know, way better or way lower and, and not much of the in-between. But of course, you know, a streaky shooter results in an average shooter over enough shots. Um, so if he can level out at a you know at 38 or 39 as opposed to 35 that would be a big deal um and you know good news here because they are going to need somebody to step into a lot of the shots that were created for danny green last year uh, i think one thing that's interesting about the the 10 threes that powell's taken through these two games and you mentioned filling the green role uh, a couple of them have come spotting up in the corner and a couple other kind of in the high corner in transition yeah. and i those are very danny green looks Powell had a 40% three-point shooting rate last year with a heavy volume of above-the-break threes. If a greater portion of his threes are coming from the corners this year, uh, I have more faith in that sticking as a high 30 shot. He was above a 40% shooter from the corners. Obviously, that's a slightly easier three. Um, They tend to be mostly catch-and-shoot, whereas sometimes he's prone to taking pull-ups above the break. So um, the diet of those 10 threes, I thought, was... I think there was only one three he took where I was like, oh, no, what are you... What's going on there? And that was was kind of a pull-up trailing behind... Not trailing behind the play, but just a a bad pull-up above the break. Off the bounce, yeah. Yeah, most of those were... uh, Most of those were in the flow of the offense and and the kind of quality look that he might get as a fourth or fifth starter. Um. As a, you know, pretty crappy rec basketball player, NBA players being so good at corner threes is pretty amazing because I actually find them more difficult uh, than shots in which you can use the backboard sort of as not not a target, but it, it helps you align yourself. Uh, this it's is just... Cue. Yes, this is just 
one of many ways that NBA players are very good at basketball uh, is my high-level analysis. Also, the, it's crazy how they can like dribble with their left hand without yes. like, looking down at the basketball. <laughs> things, things like that, Eric. Yeah. Um, what, what are you saying? Nothing. Yeah. Uh, there's a there's a reason I'm such a, a good rec league defender. It's because yeah. you can just treat everyone. You can give everyone the force them one way, like extreme Utah Jazz James Harden treatment. Yeah, and no one can punish you. Yeah, it's uh, it's useful, and uh, that certainly includes me. But in my defense, I grew up as you know in, in grade seven and eight as playing you know forward positions. I wasn't. I had to, in my late career here. I've had to develop into more of a ball handler, perimeter player. Um, you and Terrence Davis both. Uh, and that's you know beautiful, Blake. We're 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 almost ready for October twenty second here. Uh, I, I, I think people are going to love how assertive and unafraid Terrence Davis are. Uh, you mentioned it with Tass. Uh, he's such a fun uh, uh, player in terms of. His aggressiveness and, you know, not looking like he's overwhelmed by the moment. Uh, he's, you know, they're, they're trying to sort of, as Nick Nurse said during training camp, he's a bit of a combo guard, which isn't the negative now that it would have been, you know, even five years ago. Um, I don't know how it changes their, you know, their calculations when they're thinking about who to keep on this roster. Certainly none of the pure point guards, uh, Isaiah Taylor or uh, Campaign, have stood out in the exhibition games, although they've basically only been given a quarter each to run the show. Uh, but I, I feel like it's uh, it's mandated here because I've been banging the drum that I thought Taylor looked slightly better, although he missed his two threes by a combined, like, three feet. Yes, uh, which is a lot, not, of, not a lot, of, a lot of feet uh, for the NBA. Um, but... It'll be interesting to see if, you know, they trust a player with a guaranteed contract to, if not be a pure point guard, to be certainly somebody who can handle the ball quite a lot. And along with Norm Powell and Pascal Siakam, maybe they can get away and, you know, Patrick McCaw, who would be one of my negatives of, of the first two games, just, you know, a short Coles notes, not aggressive enough in today's game to be... Uh, a primary distributor because unless you have those otherworldly uh, court vision skills and, and that other, yeah, you can't be that passive with the ball. And, and he got a bit more aggressive in the second half. Shots weren't falling. But, uh, I mean, that's just a minor thing right now. I am interested if they really feel the need to keep a point guard just because I think Terrence Davis has shown himself to be capable of Again, not being a true point guard, but being another guy who can help do some point guardy things. Yeah, I think I'm kind of at a place where I think the ideal scenario, like when I when I handicapped the roster spots, um, I gave Taylor and Payne pretty much a coin flip chance, thinking they would keep a third point guard. Not a hundred percent that they would, but a pretty strong chance. Um, I think the I what looks like the ideal scenario right now, assuming Payne or Taylor haven't just blown them away in practices is not going with a third point guard. Um, Taylor, there's a small risk that Taylor would get claimed because he has a two-year not like two-year deal with only 50K guaranteed. And a lot of teams liked him before he got hurt last year. Um, but if he didn't get claimed, he'd be eligible to sign a two-way deal. No one else with a guarantee on the Raptors is. Um, so maybe that's a way to maintain some point guard depth in the system. Taylor 
Taylor just started playing five on five after almost a year off a couple weeks ago. So that buys him some time to get up to uh, 100% as well. And then what that allows you to do is keep Malcolm Miller on the roster because I don't know if you were getting there with your positives, but I thought Malcolm Miller has has been one of the best looking players on the, on the Raptors through two games and the open scrimmage as well. Yeah, he's um, certainly willing to shoot. Um and not in a. He's good at it. Yeah, not in like a. He shouldn't shoot that much way, uh, you know, in sort of the way we used to make fun of Josh Smith or, or players like or that. Or Dan Reynolds. Um, yeah, yes. Uh, you always want Dan Reynolds' first shot to go in. Uh, that's just a rule of rec, rec basketball. Uh, but, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like he, you've been, you know, captain of the Malcolm Miller fan club. Uh, for a long time and you can see his utility there um, as one of the better shooters on the roster full stop and somebody who's certainly you know not the it's not a you know stone cold stopper or anything like that but he's got the length to to stick with people and and certainly the institutional knowledge of what the Raptors like to do to pick things up quickly Um, I, I thought Yes, I thought he looked pretty good. I thought O'Shea Brissett took sort of a maybe a half step back in game two from game one. But like you, I still think he's been the most intriguing of the possible uh, two way guys this year. Or the, yeah, the first two games. Yeah, and unfortunately for rather. O'Shea, that half step back came when he was trying to dunk in transition. <laughs> hey, and he was just half step short. The rim got him and Terrence Davis on, uh, on Thursday. So tough, yeah. one, tough one. Yeah, that's tough. Um, okay, let's hit on some of the negatives quickly. Um, you know, you mentioned McCaw. I just, I know they gave him two years and they guaranteed it all. And Nurse has talked him up as a potential starter. He even started the second half in in the first game. He hasn't had a, a good showing. I, I understand that he's fast and he creates chaos on the defensive end, even if he struggles a little bit to keep his man in front of him. Um, I'm just not like, I, I think right now, if I were doing the rotation purely on merit, like I think he'd be the fifth guard. Um, I don't know if there's a lot to dive into there because he just kind of looks like the same guy we saw last year. Uh, the other guy who has stood out to me, you know, and I try to lean positive in these things because, you know, you want to try to think of the reasons that a guy might have a role or a guy might stick around. Um, I think Stanley Johnson yeah. has not done well to make his case for backup forward minutes. I thought he's been outplayed by Rodney Hollis Jefferson and even Chris Boucher when Boucher's playing some four. Um, not a not a great couple days for Stanley Johnson. Yeah, he's just having trouble finding where his shots are, um, I think. And, uh, you know, they sort of... He, he You could easily see him sort of following into what they expect OJ, OG to be doing with the starters. And, and you know, I thought he, he looked pretty good doing that. He's still some forays into the paint that look awkward, but... I, I thought defense, though. His, yeah, oh. he was he was the best defender, which isn't saying that much, but uh, he you know in terms of of slowing Harden or slowing Russ when he was on them, he was really po- big positive that we didn't Drawing touch charges on before on PJ and Gerald Green. He had he drew a Kyle Lowry charge today. He like saw Gerald Green driving around where he wouldn't be able to see, and OG slid over. It yeah, was, I can't believe it was he thought it was a very. Like, obviously, we I think most people agree that, like, we don't like those charges in general just because of the lack of safety and, like, how 50-50 they are and a little unfair to the offensive players. But from a defensive perspective, that's a really savvy charge to take. I can't believe he thought Gerald Green might not give up the ball. <laughs> 
Um, Joe Green had a vicious putback in that game, by the yeah, way. Yeah, um, so yeah. So, yeah, I agree with Stanley Johnson. Uh, hasn't been very good. I thought Rondé Hollis-Jefferson was definitely hit and miss. Uh, it's going to take some use. Better in the first game than yeah, the Yeah, it's going to take some time to get used to his game because he's not a player that you can put out there on the arc and have him uh, take open threes. Uh, he needs to get into the sort of the crevices of the game. I, I am interested in, not that I'd want to see it a lot, but what a lineup with him and Siakam up front would look like and sort of uh, inverting them a bit on uh, on offense if Siakam's your center. Now, but when you say up front, you mean 3-4 or 4-5? I mean 4-5. Yeah, I, I, I would like to see both, but I think just because Gasol and, to a lesser extent, Ibaka can both shoot it. Um but mm-hmm. I like the four or five is interesting to me, uh, just because I think that would make them super versatile on the defensive end, and uh, would maybe take better advantage of uh, uh, Rondé Hollis Jefferson's ability to sort of find, uh, as I said, little crevices in the defense and and poke holes when uh, defenders are overplaying the ball handler and and get into the paint like that. Uh, but I thought he was sort of hit and miss. Overall, uh, Dwan Hernandez, I think, did he play in the first game? Maybe he a did bit. Not. Uh, I was, okay, so he played in the second game. I thought a few nice looks uh, as a passer, but certainly overmatched on the glass, uh, which shouldn't be too surprising given that was his first NBA action uh, aside from Summer League ever. Uh, but that's, you know, really stretching it as far as negatives are concerned. Yeah, like he had a couple blocks and contested well around the rim. The one play I was really, the one defensive rebound he did come down with, he took it and ran the floor and found Matt Thomas with a, a nice pass and transition. Thomas didn't finish, but that's, you know, for a rookie big who didn't do a lot of ball handling to come down with a defensive rebound, run the whole floor and make a good pass, is a, that's that's kind of an advanced play for for a player at yeah. his at his level, so and, that was uh, that was nice to see. And yeah, we should um, touch on Matt Thomas. Yeah, the Alex sorry, Wong the ahead. Alex Wong curse is real. Yeah, so I guess that's the only you know we've mentioned a lot of people, um, but Thomas was one of your negatives. Yeah, he just I like that he's shooting, so it's really a results over process thing right now. He is struggling to hang on on defense, but. Uh, they brought him over here to be a shooter, and uh, you know the Raptors have had a few of those over time where they bring guys to be shooters, and then either they don't shoot or they just don't hit, like C.J. Miles last year. Um, so those are going to have to start to go down, obviously, to to make him playable. And I don't, you know, that this is a team that's going to be a bit short on shooting. I think we both project, uh, and it would really be nice to see him. Uh, get off to a hot start and find a way into that NBA rhythm and it just didn't start in Tokyo and uh, that's not to say it it won't happen Uh, he is still getting used to this team and and the speed of the NBA uh, and certainly how defenses work but uh, not a overwhelmingly positive uh, start for the people's champ yeah and look it's gonna take adjustment and that adjustment you know Let's say Terrence Davis plays his way into a rotation spot and Matt Thomas continues to look like he needs an adjustment period. Maybe that adjustment period takes place in Mississauga for a little bit. Um, nothing wrong with that. No, there ain't. Okay, uh, so the Raptors have a long time off. Not really. They play Sunday. That's not a long time. I don't especially, know. Especially when my, you're coming my, from Tokyo. 
yeah, my sense of schedule is very off. So um, the Raptors are flying back Friday, we think, and then uh, Kyle Lowry may or may not go to New York to seek clearance on his thumb. That apparently still needs to happen. Uh, he has to go see the operating surgeon. Uh, so his status is still a little murky for Sunday. Otherwise, uh, the Raptors' lone preseason home game takes place Sunday. Uh, Eric, what do we... You know, it's always a weird one because they're coming back from Tokyo and they might not get a practice in in between and there might still be some fatigue. Uh, so this is normally one where I would expect a lot, like a deeper, deeper bench game. Uh, but at the same time, Lowry hasn't played with the starters yet. Gasol only played one game. Uh, you have four days off after that to kind of, you know, get your feet back under you before your next preseason game. Do you think you'll see... You know, do you think we're gonna we're gonna see a similar to, to these couple games where the starters play twenty to twenty five minutes, uh, especially if if Lowry gets in there? I think it might be less so uh, less than that. Uh, I just think, given the I, I know it's not the same team as last year, but given the success they had with their approach last year, I think they'll just use the practices they can uh, to get the team and you know the rotations sort of set. And they're not going to risk things by rushing them into a situation they're not ready for, you know, possibly after no practices and, you know, on a bunch of jet lag. Uh, It's not that I think every player will be benched. I'd be surprised to see Lowry. Uh, I'd even be a bit surprised to see Gasol, frankly. Um, That's just a guess. It's not, uh, it's not, you know... I'm not reporting that as as fact, although it is a fact that I would be surprised to see him. <laughs> that's a, that's as far as I'm going to go. Uh, I will say overall, though, like it's been a like given how much is at stake, which you wrote about at the end of training camp, both with the two way spots, but also with the rotation. It's been you know a bit reinvigorating to watch preseason games. I'm usually sort of with tass and that i don't care uh and i've i've watched them with a bit more attention this year and and maybe i'm i'm drawing a few more conclusions uh or semi-conclusions which is oxymoronic because conclusions are final uh and absolute but uh that i would otherwise and have in past years it just seems like more is up for grabs and uh you know as people who are trying to figure this team out that's that's a bit exciting yeah, quick, quickly before we go, I would say if I were updating my, um, you know, the the posts that I did about who has a shot at spots, I think the fact that Norm and OG have started both games is fairly telling. OG has also started all four halves, whereas Norm has started three. Uh, you know, I kind of predicted in that piece that that'll be the most commonly used lineup. I think the interesting quirk is when Lowry's back, do they get Van Vliet a couple looks in there? But if Norm looks like this and shoots like this, there won't be a lot of incentive to mix that up. Um, in terms of roster spots, I would have to think O'Shea is a lock for the for one of the two ways. Um, you know, if Isaiah Taylor is amenable to the wave and two-way situation, that could be another one. Uh, we haven't seen Devin Robinson or Sagaba Kanate in action yet, which I think tells you what you need to know. Kanate still, you know, working his way back following the, uh, the knee stuff that kept him out the bulk of last year. So um, that one might still be open and, and might come down to the waiver wire. And then, you know, I would think, I was pretty confident before that Boucher and Hernandez have two of the three open roster spots down. And then the final one comes down to whether they want a point guard or to keep Miller. And I think that's probably still the case but there's still a lot of preseason left there are two games there is an almost an entire week of practice between two of those games uh so still a lot of time for guys to make their cases and fight for those spots do you know when the final roster has to be uh when when the 20th the 20th so the sunday 
All right. Yeah, the Sunday's cut down day. Now, I, what I would assume is after that Friday game in Brooklyn, they would probably try to do it right then. Um, maybe even a little earlier with one or two players. What they've done in the, the last couple yeah. years, uh, first with Davion Barry and then with Malcolm Miller last year, is cut a guy they know they're going to cut early, sign someone else to an Exhibit 10 late in camp, and then wave them right away. Uh, that's just a way to flesh out your G League team a little more fully. So if there's someone, you know, if there's a returning 905er they want to get that 50K bonus for, or there's another name out there who's unsigned, who's open to going to the 905 and they want to get them that bonus, um, you could see someone get cut and signed uh, in the Davion Barry wrinkle of the uh, the camp camp rosters and stuff like that. But yeah, I would think coming out of that Brooklyn game is when uh, when you'll see some some cuts made. Cool. Well, yeah, we will be talking to you before then. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk to you sometime next week. In between those two games, we'll have Sunday's uh, home game against the Chicago Bulls to discuss. We'll have possibly some news stuff from from practices. Um, yeah, Should we'll be, be writing. Uh, we'll be writing stuff. Check out the athletic. Yeah, of course we will. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Should be fun. Cool. Um, you know, obviously, uh, I'm very, very happy to have basketball back and to have had these two preseason games, no matter the time. Uh, getting to see one live will be cool too, even though it's just a preseason game. And it's just the Bulls. Uh, I'm really looking forward to Sunday. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, and doesn't uh, interview with any wrestling pay per views. Most importantly. Oh yeah, ha- did you watch AEW last night? Uh, I watched uh, about thirty minutes, uh, or maybe the first third of the episode. Uh, okay, uh, I won't. Uh, I watched it this morning after the Raptors game, and I won't. Sp- talk specifics but uh as a bit of a mea culpa um i was probably more skeptical than average about aew um still like relatively optimistic but everyone thought it was a a no-brainer gonna succeed and i was a little more hesitant than that uh the first two episodes have been really really good and i'm happy to have been shown to be too pessimistic jericho's the best on the mic he's so good he's awesome your close personal friend Uh, the champion (laughs) <laughs> yes my close personal friend him kenny omega and cody rhodes all my close personal friends well that uh, would be a bad group of uh four the you know it, which it, side am i gonna choose yeah that's yeah you're a heel everybody knows it. you're a heel at heart yeah i'm a i'm a heel for sure too math driven okay you don't, you don't get human emotion uh that would be your gimmick yeah all right um man i gotta get out of here uh let's end this here um to Tass, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, to everyone else who are fans of No Dunks, uh, formerly the starters, formerly Basketball Jones, uh, if you're fans of those guys or you have never checked them out somehow, uh, be sure to do that Monday. It's so exciting to have them here uh, and be part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Uh, that's I'm very I'm very excited. Uh, that should be great. And Eric, to you, a uh, little less special because you're on every week, but thanks, man. Uh, thank you, uh, everybody. Be careful. With that tryptophan uh, intake on uh, Monday, uh, we do acknowledge Unitas. Canadian Thanksgiving here. Uh, hope uh, you have good times, uh, whoever you're spending with it. Uh, you're spending it with, whether it's family, friends, or just yourself and uh, your favorite Raptors-related NBA podcast. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you next week. See ya.